I learned how to stay young, having all these children come into my family, uh, is really fun. And they keep me up to date on modern things. I've enjoyed each and every one of them, and we have a house full of them. Well, of course, everything that's been passed down from Mom uh, when I was a child, you know, whether I was visiting nursing home with her or taking food to somebody, I, I tried to pass down to Melanie, and now to see her doing the same things that, that the two of us have done is, is just such a joy to, to enjoy your child coming along in the same path that you came from your mom. I've enjoyed just that we've kept life simple. We've never complicated things, and we've always been there for each other. Um, events at the children's school or just a day at the zoo, we've made time to spend the holidays together, and I think it's the small things that, um, that sometimes we miss out on that we've really put a lot of emphasis on spending a lot of quality time together. I enjoy all the company that we have together. I can always ask Nadi and Bonbon and Mom things, and I'm always learning things from them. And I love, like Mom said, all the traditions we do, and I enjoy that. We just love one another, and we enjoy being with one another, and we learn from each other. I've learned how to stay young. Staying active in your church, um, working, taking your children with you when you visit, uh, teaching them from the very beginning. As children, we're taught to respect our parents and our grandparents and, and leaders in our church. But as women, we respect each other. We respect that there are going to be differences. We're going to have a difference of opinion. I know that my mother will come at 2 o'clock in the morning if I need her, but she's not calling me every day to see where I am. She respects that we have a life and that we may do things um, a little differently than she would have done them, just as she does with her mother. And that has made us want to be together. We want to be together because it's a safe loving environment. In the 80s, um, mom and dad took uh, their three daughters and their families to Gatlinburg for Christmas. And uh, Melanie was, what, eight? Eight. I think eight years old then. And that has been such a memory for her. Uh, 2014, wasn't it? Uh, Thirteen of us decided to sort of do a redo, but do it for Thanksgiving rather than Christmas. And it was such a wonderful bonding time for all of us. I remember when I was little, and my brother and I would always go to her house a lot after school. I remember the homemade chocolate pudding she would always have sitting for us waiting. And at Bonbon's house, I loved to pick blackberries from her bushes when they were ripe and how delicious they were. Wow, that was very special. How uh, We are very blessed in this service to have all four of those special ladies with us. Would you all all stand up, please? There we go. I know for so many of us, Ms. Nita's been like a mother and grandmother to all of us, and uh, what a blessing they've all been. Who would volunteer to call Melanie every day and... Check on her, make sure she's okay. <laughs> I don't think she wants that. All right. Today we give thanks for, for our mothers, and so many of us have been the recipients 
of them passing their faith down to us. I, I know today is a, a very special and, and a difficult Mother's Day for me with the first Mother's Day since my mother's passed. But when I think about these four ladies and I think about the scripture that we're about to study, I think about how faith for so many of us has been, been passed down through the mothers and grandmothers and, and great-grandmothers. It was my great-grandmother, Emma Lou Sermon, who was the first in our family to really catch hold of the faith. If you see Stephen Sermon, he won't admit it, but he's actually kin to me, all right? We're kin way back there. And started with Emma Lou Sermon, and then it was passed on to my grandmother, Mab Sport, and then to my mother, Sally Lou Griffin, and then to me. And so many of us would say today, that our faith has come to us through our mothers. I think that's something true across the world. I remember when the Iron Curtain came down and first visiting the Ukraine, and you're visiting a a country where communism has been the official state religion for 70 years, and Christianity has been disparaged. And yet you would meet people who still had faith because of what their grandmothers and great-grandmothers had instilled in them from a young age. And today we come to a passage where we're going to see that. Open your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2, chapter 1, excuse me. You see, across the world, the impact of mothers is amazing. And even today, as we look at what happens with our children, there, there was a survey done of children growing up in our churches, teenagers, and when they left home, would they keep their faith? And they found out that the people with the greatest impact on children were rated this way. First of all, on teenagers as parents. Maybe as you know, a parent, you don't think your teenager's listening to you. But no matter what they may say or how they may act, you are still the number one influence on them. The number two influence were the adults you surrounded them with. Some of your friends, some of the adults at church. And coming in number three was their youth minister. Now, we love youth ministry, but all of us make a big mistake if we think that's the way our faith is going to be instilled. It can come, first of all, from parents and then other adults. You see, it's those godly mothers who have such an impact on us. Abraham Lincoln said years ago, no man is poor who has a godly mother. And many of us would testify that today. Now, this morning's passage, Paul is thinking about his young disciple, Timothy. He loves Timothy, and he's so proud of him. You know, on on, on Paul's second mission tour, he had met Timothy when Timothy was a teenager. And they had connected, and Timothy had began to, to travel with Paul. He was a great companion. Paul laid his hands on Timothy and gave him some great gift. We don't know exactly what it was, but Paul had given him a gift. And obviously, Paul was an amazing influence on Timothy. And now Timothy is a minister, we would call him, in the city of Ephesus. And Paul is writing. But Paul understands that the greatest influence on Timothy's life has not been him. It had been his mother and his grandmother. Look there in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. A beautiful passage. I thank God, Paul writes, whom I serve, as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in prayers, 
recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Don't you love Paul's expressiveness? You know, Timothy, just to think about you brings joy. I remember when we departed each other, probably from Ephesus, when Paul leaves and Timothy's still there, that not only did Paul have tears, but Timothy had tears. Their relationship was emotional and it was joyful. Just to see one another would bring joy. And then he says this, verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Paul understood it had been a two-generational effort to create a Timothy. And today we give thanks for those mothers who have passed on the faith to us. And today we also give thanks for those mothers who are going to be the first to begin this kind of generational effort. If you come here today and and you've had these kind of mothers and grandmothers and even a four-generation legacy like we've just seen, man, we applaud that. But if you come here today and you don't have that legacy of faith behind you, guess what? Somebody had to start it in this story. Obviously, Eunice must have started it in Timothy's story. The question is, will you be the one to start it in your family story? And we applaud you today in what you are attempting to do. Let's learn some things. How does a mother shape a Timothy? Let me give you a few points here. Number one, she modeled her faith. I understand this. Character is more caught than taught. We understand that, right? It's more caught than taught. You can use an awful lot of words and not carry your faith on to the next generation. But if you live it out in front of them, you have a great chance of passing that faith on. Fill in this blank. Actions speak louder than words. And they do. Why? Because faith is about trusting God. And to carry on faith is not about just saying the right words or teaching the right things. It's about how you live life. It's about how you model faith. It's about when you have a problem in your life and things don't go your way, how do your children see you handle that? When life comes through and you go through that divorce or you suffer from that death or you suffer from that job loss, or, or you, you suffer through the loss of a friend. How do you handle that? You see, faith is more modeled than it is taught. And, and that's what's happening here with Timothy. He's been able to see that faith is authentic. The Bible teaches that, that you can win someone over without words. 1 Peter 3, 1. Peter's writing these ladies whose husbands are not Christians. And says that you can win them over by your submissive behavior. He says you can win them to Christ without words. And I think about our mothers and how they can win us over without words. I think in my own life of my mother and how she demonstrated faith in my life. She wasn't always talking about it. She wasn't always cramming it down us. She wasn't forcing it. But I had a living breathing example of Jesus in my home. She was the kindest, sweetest person I've ever known. The way she treated people, the way she served people, just always behind the scenes. I was talking with Carol Strickland before church and she was reminding me 
that in the birth of her, her Lee, my mother was the first one to show up at the hospital. And then at the birth of her grandson, Will, my mother again, so many years later, was the first one to show up at the hospital. And I didn't know those stories growing up. But I saw the way she served. I saw the way she talked. I saw the way she listened. She was a great conversationalist. And the whole neighborhood leaned on her. And we, her children, leaned on her. I was a weird teenager, but I'll tell you this. One of my favorite times as a teenager was washing dishes with my mom. We would all five rotate on who had dish duty at night. And one of my favorite times was my night to have dish duty. Not because I like washing dishes, but because I love being my mom. And you'd have the best conversations. And it's in those times, guys, that's when faith is passed on. Oh, there, there is a way to formally pass faith on. But my friends, where faith really shines is not in those formal, even teaching moments, but it's in those everyday moments where it where you see that faith is not just a church thing. It's not just our devotional thing. It is an authentic, everyday life thing. And so you pass on your faith by modeling it. Number two, she instilled her faith. The Bible says she planted it. It was, it was planted in Timothy. It was intentional. You see, in other areas of our life, we understand that we want to be intentional with our children. When it comes to your child's academics, you're going to be very intentional that they receive that. If your child is involved in the arts, they're going to show up for that practice. They're going to show up for that lesson. If they're involved in athletics, we say, if you signed up for the team, you got to show up for every practice. We understand that because we know that they must be intentional. And when it comes to our faith, the majority of it's modeled, there also is an intentionality of it. You know, I think our children can read something when academics and school and sports and arts, all of those things are priorities in our life and you don't miss them for anything. And then church is something that I can just sort of push off in a second. I'm always flexible with that. You see, we begin to instill faith as they experience that that unconditional love and yet also that challenge that says, I want to pass my faith on to you. I like how, how, I love how Paul puts this. This faith lived in Lois. It lived in Eunice. And now it lives in you. I ask you this morning, in a world where having faith is going to become more and more rare, are we being intentional and passionate on our faith? And then I love this. She taught him the Holy Scriptures. She taught the Holy Scriptures. If you're still with me in 2 Timothy, look over at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Paul again talking to Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have been convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And then you're familiar with this passage. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. My friends, if we are going to instill faith in our children, we must make sure that they are learning the Holy Scriptures. Now, what, what does that word holy mean? That word holy simply means it's different, it's distinct. 
That means when we open the Word of God, that there's something different about this than any other book. We might get so serious about our children reading their homework and making sure they have their assignments done. But what a mistake if we're more serious about that than actually instilling the Word of God. It's holy. It's different. There is no other book on earth that compares to this book. It's like the temple of God. It was holy because it was the place on earth where God dwelled. It was distinct and different. And the Word of God today is distinct. It's different. It's what we must instill into our children. You see, because when we instill the Word of God, they begin to hear the stories of faith. That's why we teach these these Bible stories, because they're more than just Bible stories. They're true stories of people who lived out their faith. Just like you pass on your faith as, as you model it. It seems to me one of the great purposes of the study of Scripture is to see those models of faith in, in Scripture. To let your child see that story of David who hit such awful lows and did such wonderful highs and is labeled by God as a man after his own heart. To see the story of Job that would prepare your child that if life does not go your way, in fact, if everything goes against your way, you can be faithful to God. To read the story of Peter and see, you know, sometimes faith grows very slowly. But somehow in the midst of that, God is gracious. To to hear the story of even the Apostle Paul and go, you know, sometimes that journey of faith is sort of a one-time thing that turns you around on the road to Damascus. That, That even if your child were to go as far away from God as possible, there's always that turnaround moment that's also possible. And so we teach those stories of faith. And as they read those things, they begin to understand what faith is about. It's not about perfect people. It's about people with flaws like you. You're not the perfect mother, the perfect father. But faith is not about perfection. Faith is about trust. And they see that in you, and they see that in the stories of Scripture. Now, here's an important note in our message, maybe the most important note. She did this under trying circumstances. Timothy's mother didn't have the perfect home. Sometimes we read something like this. Well, of course, of course, Timothy had faith. I mean, we're hearing about his grandmother and his mother and everything. And that, that glimpse of that passage, anyway, looks rather perfect. And sometimes we look around a church building like this and we look across the aisle and you're a single mother and you see, you look across and, and you see what appears to be a perfect family. Or you watch a video like we've seen and, and you see these four generations of a faithful person and you make that wrong assumption that it's been easy for them. All you got to do is go back to Acts and you'll find out that, that Timothy did not grow up in a perfect home. Yes, his mother was faithful Jewish woman, but his dad was Greek. He was a Gentile. And we find out from Scripture that Timothy was not circumcised. Now, what's that about? I don't know the, the background story, but did, did his dad stop that? Was his dad opposed to the faith of his mother? I don't know what the reason was, but here's what we got to understand here. Timothy would have been looked at as an apostate Jew. 
And Paul understood what was at stake here because often when they would go to a Jewish synagogue, it would be a barrier to Timothy being able to preach the gospel. And so Paul, in something that actually sort of surprises us, has Timothy circumcised late in life. So, so don't read this story or look at even the stories here in this church and think, well, there's somebody who had a perfect upbringing and a perfect family. It's not. I, I look at my own life. My mother was 26 years old when my biological father died. She had given birth to three sons, and I was in her belly. And when my dad died, she didn't even know she was pregnant. Can you imagine at 26 years old being faced as a single mom, raising four children? And then my mom remarried when I was a year and a half old. But for many years, my dad didn't go to church with her. She won all of us over to the Lord by her behavior and her lifestyle. And she won her husband over by her lifestyle and her words. There was a ladies retreat here about 10 years ago. My dad found what she had written out. They asked her to speak about her life. I was reading it the other day. I'd never seen it. And she was talking about how hard it was how hard it was to wake up without a husband and all these children. How at that moment, it was actually very upsetting to know she was pregnant. How tough it was to go to church by herself. And yet she persisted. And that's what we see in Timothy's family. And that's what you may see in your family. You say this morning, well, buddy, but my home is not perfect. My home's not perfect. My life's not perfect. The truth is, I'm not perfect. The question here is, who is? My friends, we're not talking about you instilling perfection in your child because you couldn't do it and I couldn't do it. We're talking about you instilling faith in your child. And your imperfections and your weaknesses may be the best example you have to pass on your faith. Because as you're honest with your children, because you might as well be honest with them, because they're going to see it. If you want to pretend that you've got it all together, they know better than that because they live with you every day. But the truth is, with you being honest about your imperfections, when you blow it and you lose your temper with them and you apologize, when you don't live out in front of them the way you think Christ would have you live out, and you say, that's not who I want to be, that's not who I'm trying to be, I'm telling you, those are the moments that are going to instill great faith. When you get off course and you get back on course, when you fall further and further from the Lord and then you're drawn back by His love, when life goes wrong and yet you keep trusting God, When you're down and struggling, and they know you're down and struggling, and yet you get up and you continue to be a good mom, and you continue to be faithful to God, and you continue to pray. My friends, that's what's going to prepare them for a life of faith. A perfect scenario where it looks like your life is so perfect doesn't prepare them for what they're going to face. 
It scares me those parents who never, let me just be honest, fight in front of their children, who never let their children see the difficulties and challenges going on in their life because you're not really preparing them for what marriage is really going to be like. You may not prepare them for really what's going to happen when their finances fall apart if you didn't let them know that. Or their life falls apart. If you didn't share that with them to go, you know, here's what sustains me when my marriage is difficult. Here's what sustains me when my faith, my finances fall apart. Here's what sustains me when I'm struggling through depression. Here's what sustains me is my faith in God. Because they're going to walk out of your house and they're not going to experience a perfect life. And so don't take this as, as Timothy growing up in a perfect life he didn't. Here's what I want you to see today, how a Timothy honors their mother. Let me just give you a, a few words I think that are important here. We need to honor our mothers with appreciation. We need to express it. You know, one of the, one of the, the most difficult things for dad and our family was the, the long illness my mom had, especially those last few months. But the great blessing was that we knew that the end was coming near. And because of that, we had a chance to express things that we might not have expressed otherwise. We had a chance to spend the night with her and tell her how much we adored her. To tell her what an incredible mom she had been. And you know, other points in my life, I can be honest, I missed out on those opportunities I think about last Thanksgiving. My mom had started this thing on Thanksgiving where when we were all together, and that was, that was her joy to have her whole family together. When we'd all be around the Thanksgiving table, at the end of the meal, she would stand up with her little notes she had written out, and she'd go around the table and she'd talk about every one of us. And this sweet Church of Christ woman would pray over every one of us. And it was such an awesome deal. And this past Thanksgiving, when she came in, and at this point, she was not able to do the cooking. She was not, she was in a wheelchair. I thought to myself, I need to stand up and start this for mom. And, and to my great regret, I didn't do it. But after that day, I knew I had to do it. And I had so many special moments to be with her. And I'm saying to you on this Mother's Day, make sure that you express that appreciation how many of you remember the old Bear Bryant Bell telephone commercial where he in his gravelly voice says, I wish I could call my mama today. How about you? Today's the day you need to make that call. Today's the day you need to express appreciation. You need to show consideration. And above all, you need to, to have some imi- You need to imitate your mom. The greatest way that you can honor your mom, the greatest way I can honor my mom is to imitate her faith. We need to be expressive about those things. Saw an old Irma Bombeck article the other day about Mother's Day and the importance of this day and what we're expressing thanks for. I want to read this to you. I think it's pretty cute. If you don't remember Irma Bombeck, she was a, a, a great writer and a humorous writer. She says, for the first four or five years after I had children, I considered motherhood a temporary condition, not a calling. It was a time of my life set aside for exhaustion and long hours. It would pass. 
Then one afternoon with three kids in tow, I came out of the supermarket pushing a cart with four wheels that all went in the opposite direction. Anybody ever had that cart? When my toddler son got away from me, just outside the door, he ran toward a machine holding bubble gum and a glass dome. Those still exist? I'm not sure. In a voice that shattered glass, he shouted, give me, give me. I told him I would give me him for what, what he was worth if he didn't stop shouting and get in the car. As I physically tried to pry his body from around the gumball machine, he pulled the entire thing over. Glass and balls of bubble gum went all over the parking lot. We had now attracted a sizable crowd. I told him he would never see another cartoon as long as he lived. And if he didn't control his temper, he's going to be making license plates for the state. He tried to stifle his sobs as he looked around at the staring crowd. Then he did something that I will remember the rest of my life. In his helpless quest for comfort, he turned to the only one he trusted with his emotions, me. He threw his arms around my knees and held on for dear life. I had humiliated him, chastised him, berated him, but I was still all he had. That single incident defined my role. I was a major force in this child's life. Sometimes we forget that civility to a child is so important. I've always told mine, the easiest part of being a mother is giving birth. The hardest part is showing up each day. Mother's Day is traditionally the day when children give something back to their mothers for all the spit they produce to wash dirty faces, all the old gum they held in their hands, all the noses and fannies they wiped, and all the bloody knees they made well with kisses. This is the day when mothers are rewarded for washing all those sheets in the middle of the night, driving kids to school when they miss the bus, enduring all the football games in the rain. It's appreciation day for making your children finish something they said they couldn't do, not believing when they said, I hate you, and sharing their good times and their bad times. The cards probably won't reflect it today, but what you are trying to say is, thank you for showing up. And today, I hope you'll take that opportunity to thank your mom if you have that opportunity for showing up. Let's close out with this quotation. I love this quotation from an older writer in our fellowship named Rule Lemons. It's about this writing that we've been studying. Paul's confidence in a grandmother and in a mother to produce a missionary has some implications for us. See, Paul understood, though he had been a great influence on Timothy, the greatest influence in Timothy's life had came from his grandmother and his mother, and it had produced a great missionary. And today, as we seek to win the world, as a church, we're in the middle of a study of the, of the book of Acts and that church that exploded and was scattered and shared their faith everywhere they went. Let's not forget in the middle of this, the greatest duty and privilege and power we have is passing on our faith to our children and to our grandchildren. 
that if we are going to win the world, it will start with instilling a faith in our children and grandchildren that doesn't just keep them sitting in a church building, but sends them out as missionaries in a world that needs Christ as much as it ever has. You see, mothers and fathers, grandmothers and granddads, your greatest career may not be the career where you make your money. Your greatest career is what you will do with your children and instilling faith. And here's the cool thing, is not only will it bless them as you instill that faith, but you don't know who else is watching. I got a card just the other day from one of my childhood friends who grew up across the street from us. Sandra Bach Richards. Dear buddy, I have such sweet sweet memories of all the years we lived across the street from one another and all the years we were friends beyond that. But I have even sweeter memories of your mom during those years, especially of the time I spent with her in the kitchen. She taught me how to make her famous chocolate sauce that I still make today. More than that, she modeled life well lived as I try to live mine. She was indeed one of the finest Christian women I've ever known. I've always thought of her as my second mom, and I always will see her as a great gift to me. You see, moms, you never know who may be following Jesus because you taught them how to make chocolate. And so today, as we prepare to sing, if there may be someone here today and you need us to pray for you, that you could have more faith because you are living under those trying circumstances. If there's someone here today and you have wondered from the faith that your mom or your grandmother tried to instill into you and you want to come back to God, or if there is someone here today that in your family...